Good morning and welcome to Alger Assembly of God. Welcome back to our study, our series entitled, Who is the Holy Spirit? So we began a couple weeks ago, took a, a week off for Mother's Day, but in a number of weeks leading up to Pentecost Sunday, we're exploring the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? What does the Holy Spirit do? Certainly as we lead up to Pentecost Sunday, Acts chapter 2 tells about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And what we, what we found out the first time together in this study, we looked at the Holy Spirit in us. What are some of the things that the Holy Spirit brings into our life? We saw that the Holy Spirit brings peace and brings fe fellowship and freedom and brings wisdom. The Holy Spirit doesn't just live in us. The Holy Spirit is with us. And so Jesus Christ, as he was teaching his disciples and leading and guiding them, as he was making his way to the cross, preparing to be crucified, preparing to be resurrected, he was teaching and helping them to understand about who he was going to send. So I invite you to turn with me to the Gospel of John, John chapter 14. So New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John chapter 14, beginning in verse 15, we read this. Jesus said to his disciples, if you love me, obey my commandments. He says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. Some uh, versions or translations talk about helper, talk about counselor, talk about comforter. He will give you an advocate who will never leave you. And so we would know, and so the disciples would know who exactly he's talking about. He says, he, again, not it, he is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him, but you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. With you and in in you, in you and with you. He says, no, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. So as we take a look at what Jesus is teaching his disciples, a handful of things that the, the gospel of John here is revealing about the Holy Spirit living with us. The first thought is this. We don't work to receive the Holy Spirit, but we welcome him. We can't work, we can't do a number of certain things to say, if I do this, if I work to do that, it equals receiving the Holy Spirit. We simply welcome Him into our hearts, welcome Him into our lives. Jesus desires, Jesus wants us to have the Holy Spirit in our hearts and our lives. He's promised the Holy Spirit and obedience and and receiving, welcoming the Holy Spirit into our hearts is the key. Second thought here is that the Holy Spirit is an advocate, not merely an assistant. Verse 16, he said that the Father would give an advocate. Again, comforter, helper. He says, I'll give you an advocate who will never leave you. A little bit of a difference between an advocate and an assistant. An assistant is one who helps you with your agenda. 
individuals that have personal assistance, they are out to help you get all of what you want, all of what you desire. An advocate is one who helps and instructs, stands up for, and sticks up for you. So the Holy Spirit is is not just that personal assistant to come in and do all of the things for us, for our agenda, but to stand up for and stick up for us. The advocate speaks truth. The advocate testifies about Jesus Christ. An advocate, not just an assistant. Third, the Holy Spirit is a divine reminder. It's a godly reminder. A little bit later in chapter 14, verse 26, Jesus says, When the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit. When the Father is the one that sends the Holy Spirit, he says, He will teach you everything and remind you of everything I've told you. Teach and remind Everybody, at some point in time, needs a little help with reminders, right? How many of you are phone people? You, you put some reminders in your phone so that it goes off. How many of you are paper calendar people? You've got a calendar that hangs up maybe on the fridge or in your office or on the wall, and you're writing things down or, or you know, you're, you're writing little papers. You're setting reminders to help you. Uh, the, the classic thought of years ago would be would be tying a, a stringer a stringer a string on the finger. Anybody ever done that? Tie a string on a finger, or you, you know, you you kind of write something down. It's it's on you, and when you see that, you you you're reminded of hopefully something. Maybe you see the string, or maybe you see that little reminder, and you're like, now now what what was the string for? What was the reminder for? Maybe you've done that. Whether it was you know, something written down or something digital, maybe the reminder goes off and your thought was, now, what was this reminder about? <laughs> I wasn't specific enough. We need some help, some godly and divine reminders. Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit would help disciples to remember what he had said. The Holy Spirit is that godly and divine reminder in our hearts and our lives. Maybe you've experienced it as you've interacted with individuals and a verse came to mind or some words came to mind, some things that you had fed on that you had read or studied or learned and you'd kind of forgotten about it. It had been a while and the Holy Spirit kind of brought it gently to your remembrance. A godly and divine reminder. Holy Spirit still guides, still reminds you and I about his word and helps to make it come alive. As well, the Holy Spirit, number four, is one who presents godly conviction. Godly conviction in John chapter 16, a couple chapters later, verse 8, Jesus continues his teaching about the Holy Spirit and says, when he comes... He will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. Holy Spirit comes and will convict. And list several things. Convict of sin, God's righteousness, and the coming judgment. There's a big difference between guilt and conviction. Jesus said the Holy Spirit is going to convict 
See, guilt, when the feelings of guilt overwhelm you, guilt makes you feel helpless. Guilt makes you feel hopeless. Guilt makes you feel worthless, loveless. When you feel guilty for something you've done. Now, conviction, conviction guides us and points us and directs us to Christ that we can be cleansed and forgiven. You see, when guilt comes, we tend to hide in shame. Think back to the very beginning of God's word in Genesis. Adam and Eve sinned. And, and then what happened? They, they were guilty. They felt ashamed and they hid from God. That's what guilt does in our life. But with conviction is we are pointed to, we are drawn towards God and drawn towards his cleansing and his forgiveness. The Holy Spirit's not come just to make us feel guilty, helpless, hopeless, but it's conviction of sin to say there's sin in our lives that need to be forgiven in Christ. Godly conviction draws us and points us to Christ and his forgiveness. See, the, the difference here is the direction that we're facing. If we're facing towards and looking towards the cross, it's conviction. If we're running away from him, running away from the cross, hiding, that's guilt. The Holy Spirit's come to prompt our hearts and present a godly conviction. So a handful of some opening thoughts here about the Holy Spirit. We'll continue. Again, previously we looked at some things the Holy Spirit brings or gives. We'll look at a few more today. That the Holy Spirit, as our advocate, helps to bring power, love, and perspective. Let's take a look at those. Power. Holy Spirit brings and gives power into our lives. Now, when we think about power... There's a whole lot of different definitions of power. You can think about video game definitions of power. How many of you have ever played some video games? Either back in the day with some kids, with some grandkids. I remember one of my, well, it was one of my very first video game systems was the original Nintendo system back in the 80s. Super popular, Super Mario, the, uh, the little guy who would explore all of these lands, and he would typically be out trying to find coins. And he, would, he would hit and punch these coins, and those coins, would all, you, you'd collect enough of them, and you'd have some extra lives. And then uh, along the way, there would be some hidden little mushrooms. I mean, he'd get the mushroom, he would kind of grow in size, get powerful, and he could just run everybody over, and there would be no consequence. It was power in a video game reality. Now, maybe you think about power in the physical sense. Maybe you think about uh, training our bodies and, and lifting weights to build up muscles and become strong. Maybe bodybuilders, men and women, and some of them have muscles on top of muscles on top of muscles. But individuals who can lift heavy weights, uh, bench press, or just stand there and pick something up and flex, uh, we see these bulging muscles, that's power to some physical degree. Or maybe you've seen some of the, uh, the arm wrestling championships and, and you know, they're just, they've got these muscles bulging in their arms as they try to arm wrestle one another. 
Video game power, physical power. How about mechanical power? Cars, trucks, engines, boats. Think about an engine in a vehicle that takes this, this large, heavy vehicle from zero to 60 miles per hour in just a handful of seconds because of a powerful engine or, or maybe a truck that's able to tow an incredible amount of weight behind it. Think about power. Uh, just a couple of months ago, I mentioned had gone to Houston for the Church Multiplication Network conference and, and went to the Space Center with my uncle. And we saw the Saturn V rocket. I mean, it, it, it was in a massively long, probably about the size of a football field building. This Saturn V rocket had three different stages to it. And I'm, I'm reading all the information on these signs, and I'm adding up the number of gallons of fuel that provided power to this rocket. That, that rocket was shot into outer space. I believe the, uh, the, you know, the space shuttle attached to that. And you, you've seen some of these blast-offs and lift-offs, right? Massive, incredibly heavy machinery overcoming gravity and something so heavy, an enorm, enormous lift-off. And so I went and I looked at, this is not just numbers of gallons or tens of gallons or hundreds of gallons or thousands of gallons. If you were to add up every single gallon of fuel or propellant here in all three phases, it was somewhere between 950,000 and a million gallons of fuel. Now imagine burning all of that probably in, in just a handful of minutes, and you can experience power as you see that rocket lifting into outer space. Whatever the case might be, you and I have got a lot of different visual descriptions or pictures in our head about power, but the Holy Spirit brings a different kind of power. Many times people are looking at their own kind of power, power that influences and impacts self. But here's what Jesus said, Luke chapter 24, verse 49. He's speaking to the disciples. He says, I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. It's not video game power he's talking about. It's, it's not this physical muscle kind of power he's talking about. It's not mechanical engine power of a car, truck, boat, or even of a rocket. He's saying you're going to be clothed with power, spiritual power from on high. And again, he's saying this is what the Father, God the Father, has promised. He's promised it. I'm going to send, and it's the Holy Spirit that's going to come, and I want you to wait until you are clothed with power. And then Acts chapter 1, he gets a little bit more specific. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. He's, he's forecasting and foretelling this day of Pentecost. And he says, you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He says, you'll receive power to be witnesses, power to tell people everywhere 
the good news of Jesus. Now, for, for many individuals, that would be crazy power, right? To tell people, some of whom you know, some of whom you don't know, about Jesus. I mean, we can tell all kinds of people all kinds of stuff, but many times we can get a little clammy. We, we, can, we can get a little quiet when it comes to talking about Jesus. He says, you'll receive power, power to be my witnesses. See, a life in the Spirit is a life filled with power. The Holy Spirit comes to provide a power to help overcome fear. To be able to share Jesus Christ without fear and allow the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us. It's power to help find hope. Power to find confidence, even in the midst of some uncertainty. It's power to know God's truth in a world full of lies and half-truths. Power to understand what's in God's word to help understand and apply and live out the truth of God's word. Power to fight the enemy by helping resist temptation. Now, those are spiritual forms of power. It's not about the Holy Spirit entering our lives and, and allowing our bicep all of a sudden to double in size. Well, you know, that would be kind of nice. All of a sudden, we, we start lifting things that are they're, they're super heavy for us. But it's a supernatural power. The Holy Spirit comes to provide power. And it's unlike what the world sees as power. Power in the world is often temporary. Power in the world is often selfish. People want power to help raise up self. Many of the things that we seek or that people seek are to please self. And power is often short-lived. It's temporary. You know, the video game power, the, the coins or the little mushrooms that provided that source of power where Mario was invincible. He grew and he, he was kind of blinking and all of a sudden it would, it would fade away. It was lasting for a short period of time. You and I, no matter how muscular or strong we might be or what kind of muscles we might have, we'll get physically tired and exhausted, and there's only so much we can do physically. Think about the mechanical power, the car, the truck, the boat. They are strong and they are power, but at some point they need fuel back up. That engine's going to give out at some point. And even that rocket, the Saturn V rocket with nearly a million gallons of fuel... That's not a rocket ship that's just going to continue 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. That fuel burns out. So the power that many times people seek, the power that many times individuals are seeking after in our world, it is temporary. It often is selfish. But Jesus says the power of the Holy Spirit has come to give us what we need to grow and succeed in our spiritual walk with God. When you and I are weak, we can trust in and rely upon our God. So the Holy Spirit, as our advocate, helps and gives power. Secondly, the Holy Spirit helps and gives love. The question is, what's the opposite of love? 
Many would say hate. Interesting scripture, 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Power of a sound mind. It's In that particular verse, he's not saying the opposite is hate. He's talking about fear, in many cases, being the opposite of that. Now, in our culture, when it comes to love, our culture has really really twisted and distorted the meaning of love. We can see love in everything from music, movies, etc. And it's boiled down and reduced down to something as simple as a fickle feeling or a physical attraction. And that's love. In many cases, love in our culture is defined by varying degrees of sexual intimacy. Here's what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, a a chapter affectionately referred to as the love chapter. Verse 4 and following says that love is patient, love is kind. It's not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable, keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices when the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Godly view, godly definition of love that looks a whole lot different than some of the popular love songs that are on the radio. It looks a lot different than a lot of the music, movies, television shows that are on television today. This is a godly view of love. The Holy Spirit helps. Here's a couple of thoughts and a strategy to help us love others well. Accept others for who they are, not for who you want them to be. That's tough, right? We, we, we like that. We want people to simply just love us and accept us for who we are. But when it flips around and we look towards others, many times we want them to be someone they're not. Another thought, be patient with people's progress. How many of you know God's still at work? Uh, the old song says he's still working on me. Brings to mind Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, where it says, He that began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. He began the work. He's continuing to work. So understand, if I'm a work in progress, you're a work in progress. Others around us are a work in progress. And be patient and kind and loving in people's progress. The thought about helping to love one another well is connecting with others when they hurt. Romans 12, 15 says, To rejoice with those who rejoice, to mourn with those who mourn. It's got both ends of the spectrum, right? Sometimes we can struggle rejoicing when others rejoice. Because sometimes the thought is, I want to be rejoicing. Why are they rejoicing? Why are they having something good and I'm not? Or why did they get what I wanted to get? 
Sometimes we struggle rejoicing with other people when they rejoice. In other cases, maybe we, we struggle mourning with others when they mourn. When others face difficult situations, we look at ourselves and say, Whew, I'm glad I'm not facing that. I'm glad I don't have to go through that difficulty. And so we just bypass one or the other. When someone experiences a joy, we bypass that because we're, we're mad and upset that we don't have the joy that they do. Or when someone's mourning, we bypass it because, well, we're so thankful we don't have to face that. Some great tips here from the Word of God is to connect with others, even when they hurt. Rejoice when they rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Another thought about helping others to love well. Desire to give, not just to get. There's so much inside of us that loves the getting, that loves the receiving. The goal is we can give and we can bless others as well. It's not the most innate or natural thought, because oftentimes the thought is about blessing self. The Holy Spirit can help us to bless others, giving to others. And how else might we love others well? Erasing the offenses, letting go of the bad others have done. Came across this story from Clara Barton. She was the founder of the American Red Cross. One particular occasion, she was asked if she still speaks to this particular person who had done a vicious deed against her a few years ago. She acted as if she had never even heard of the incident. And the other person persisted and pressed and, and said, well, don't you remember, she was asked, I love this response. Apparently, she said, no, I distinctly remember forgetting it. I distinctly remember forgetting it. You and I, we can often hold on to the offenses. We're, we're often, you know, pretty good at holding on to things. We, we might not be great at catching a baseball, a basketball, or a football, but boy, can we hold on to some wrongs. The encouragement here is to let some of those things go, to forgive those that have offended or done things against. And we can't do that in our own strength. Human nature is such that, that we, we keep our guard up and, and we don't like to let go of some of these things. We need the Holy Spirit's help bringing power, guiding, directing us in love, and as well, thirdly, we need the Holy Spirit giving and providing perspective. Perspective shapes how we view things. Now, maybe you've been to a fun house. It could be sometimes at the county fairs or a variety of things. How many of you have seen fun house mirrors? You've seen a variety of those, and typically they're the, they're the wavy ones. You know, if you and I stand in front of a regular mirror, what we see is what we are. But stand in front of a fun house mirror, they're the wavy ones. You might stand in front of this one, and it makes you look super tall. That's the perspective of the mirror. 
And so you, you go and you stand in front of the next one. All of a sudden, it makes you look super short and stubby. And you're, you're trying to get on your tippy toes, and it really doesn't help too much. Maybe you go and stand in front of the next one, and it makes you look really wide. You go in front of the next one, and it makes you look really, really thin and tiny. It's all based on the perspective of the mirror in front of you. What kind of perspective do you and I have? Perspective often influences our actions, often shapes our thinking, often impacts our lives. Holy Spirit helps to give and bring a proper perspective because ultimately the Holy Spirit helps to magnify Jesus. It's a great scripture that helps us to think about perspective. It's from Isaiah chapter 55. It says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. There's this incredible difference in perspective. He says, my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. In other words, there's a vastly different perspective, God's view and our view. Holy Spirit helps us to have the perspective, God's view, God's perspective. A lot of things that we face, they're, they're so beyond our, our human and kind of a, a smaller, more natural understanding. And begin to think about who God is and how God thinks or how he sees things. It's completely different than you and I, right? It's hard to understand how he is omnipresent, meaning everywhere at the same time. I mean, just trying to be in two places at once is near impossible for us, right? Your schedule's been so busy, you feel like you got to be in two places at once. Sometimes it's hard for us to have the perspective. What in the world does it mean that he's everywhere or that he's all-knowing? It's, it's different because it's so different from us. Our, our perspective is different. We look at situations and we see exactly what's happening now. We've got a pretty decent recollection of the past. Sometimes you know, in our particular favor. But we, we've got a little bit of a decent idea of the now, a little bit of an idea of the past, zero perspective of the future, although we'd love to see it. And I've, I've used the, the thought of the illustration a number of times over the years, but when we talk about God and his perspective, it, it makes me think about those large, incredible parades. Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, uh, New Year's Day Rose Bowl Parade, even the Alger Memorial Day Parade. It's just a little bit smaller than the first couple that were mentioned, right? But in every parade, people line the streets, or if you're in the parade, you know, you see your float. You see a couple floats in front of you. You turn around, you see a, maybe a handful of floats behind you, but you don't see the perspective of the entire parade. Or if you're on the side of the road. Even in Alger, you don't get the scope of the entirety of the parade. You've got a, a decent view of what's just come and maybe what's around the corner or what's down the road, but you don't see the whole thing. 
But in the parade, Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, Rose Bowl Parade, not sure that we have this here in the Alger Parade. But have you seen some of those shots from the blimp? The Goodyear blimp is often in those large events, right? And the shot from the Goodyear blimp, it's way up in the sky. And from the sky, everything looks like tiny little, little ants. And you can see, you can trace the very beginning where everybody's lining up, and you can see exactly where everyone's going and where they're going to end up. See, from that perspective, you can see everything. That's a little bit about God's perspective versus ours. Our perspective, we see us a little bit in front and behind. But we're, we're really straining to see. God sees everything that's happened in the past, everything that we're facing in the present, and everything that's down, for, uh, down the road for us in the future. And the Holy Spirit helps us to get a better sense of and trust in God and His perspective. Maybe you've asked the question, where's God? What's He doing? You're wondering what's taking place. Typically, it's when we face difficulties and difficult situations. Sometimes the more you ask, the tougher things get. It's one thing to know about God. It's one thing to, to kind of have that understanding as we talked about being omnipresent and all-knowing. It's one thing to think about it. It's another that we say, okay, God, you're everywhere. But I wish I could... Just know for sure you're right here with me. The Spirit helps to bring that perspective into our hearts and into our minds. Lonely? Holy Spirit reminds us about God's presence. The Word of God in Hebrews 13, He reminds us and says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Great reminder that the Holy Spirit can bring to mind. Insecure? Holy Spirit can remind us that God is our confidence. Psalm 16 says, I'm aware of the Lord's presence. He's near. Nothing can shake me. I am thankful and glad and feel completely secure. Holy Spirit can help remind us of that perspective. Uncertain. Not sure where, where to turn or what to do. The Holy Spirit reminds you that he's the counselor. Job, and in his interactions with the Lord, he says, You watch every step I take and even examine my footprints. There's a guidance there. Down, discouraged, depressed, the Holy Spirit reminds you he's the comforter. The psalmist in Psalm 34 says, The Lord is near to those who are discouraged. He saves those who have lost all so the Holy Spirit helps and assists and reminds, strengthens, empowers, guides into love and our perspective. Invite and welcome the Holy Spirit into your heart and into your life to help energize you with power when you feel you have no strength left. To help fill you with love when maybe many times the world is filling you with fear and to help provide a better perspective with which to grasp and hold on to life.